Well, good morning. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord. I'm sorry about the weather, but man, it's something, isn't it? I woke up this morning early, and uh, I looked outside, and the, the ground was lit up, and I thought, oh, maybe the, the moon was out. You know, the moon will make things bright, and then I looked again, and it was like, oh, not again, it's snow. <laughs> so I was disappointed. I, I'm looking forward to working outside in my, my yard, and my, we have an orchard, and uh, it's hard to believe that I'm thinking about spraying apples tomorrow when it's snowing today. But welcome to Western New York. <laughs> Uh, I bring greetings. Guys, I want to I say thank you. When we come here, Becky and I come here, you make us feel so welcome. So my wife and I both would like to say thank you. Amen. We went to a church in Rochester. We weren't guest speakers or anything. We just showed up. We went to one church, and they did worship only. And it's like, well, we really wanted to hear some, the word this morning. And, and there's nothing wrong with if only they, you know, they normally preach the word there too. But it's like, well, let's go down to this church down the road. And it was right down the road. So we went to this other, the second church, two churches in one day. And uh, we went to the second church. And we were there literally, uh, what was it, 20 minutes before one person said hello to us. <laughs> we stood in the, they had a fellowship hall. And they had donuts and all kinds of stuff in there. And we stood there. And people were in their little groups. You know how uh, church people here never do that, but over there they were doing that. You know, and, and they were talking to that one, and they were talking to that one, and we were there 20 minutes as first-time guests, and nobody ever said hello until for 20 minutes. You know, we went to the service. The service was, it was okay, um, but really they were not much friendlier in the service than they were beforehand, and we pretty much vowed we would never go back to that church, and we haven't. Um, but I want to say thank you. you. You make us feel welcome. You make us feel like family. It's one of those cases. You know how it is when you meet an old friend and it's like, man, I haven't seen them in a year or five years, but you meet them and you just start talking. And that's the way that it feels here. So thank you. Uh, sorry about Pastor Russ. Uh, he, when he called last night, he said he, it was an abscess. So it's, it sounds like it's more than a toothache. So I'm really sorry about him. But uh, I feel honored that he asked me to fill in. And then the dilemma kicks in. My wife and I just rented a, a movie, so we're watching a movie, and it's like, do we watch the movie? Or do we? So we did. We watched the movie, and then, no, that wasn't the, the dilemma. I'm kidding. <clears throat> we were enjoying our time uh, watching the movie together, sitting on the couch. The, the, the dilemma kicks in when, what do I share? And a lot of times I have some sermons, and I've even thought of things ahead of time, and you know... Guys, I don't know, I, I must have preached, I don't, you know, I've preached literally hundreds of sermons through the years. So, you know, it's like, well, maybe I could pull out an old one or whatever. And I could have done that, and I would have had one that I'd already done, and it would have been a little more polished. But I've been going through this Bible study. It's a 60, uh, there's 60 lessons in it. And, and I pulled some stuff out of that because that's really where my heart is this morning. So if it's not polished, I'm not going to apologize, but... Uh, I understand where I'm coming from. It, it may not be, you know, the A game or whatever, but it's my heart. So if you'll bear with me, I'll share what God has been doing to me. So uh, it's called Freedom Through Abiding. I have a picture of an apple up there. Uh, two years ago, or two, a little over two years ago, we moved out of downtown Albion, thank God. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and we... Well, not because Brian and Chelsea were there. They were the only good neighbor we had. 
They were literally our neighbors down the road, and they could probably tell all sorts of stories too, but that's a whole other sermon. But we moved out away from downtown Albion. We bought a spot on the edge of Medina. Technically, we're in the village, but we have almost two acres. And we discovered that one of the acres that we had, we knew there was a few apple trees there, but we started clearing it out two years ago. It was like in February when we started, and we weren't done until about April. It took us a while to clear this acre lot out, but it was, it was thick. There was uh, trees and shrubs and vines. We had vines that were climbing other trees. And, and uh, we, we went in there with uh, hatchets and the chainsaw. And uh, Becky had loppers. And uh, we had several, uh, not brush fires, uh, what do you call it? Bonfires, anyway. Huge fires we had. That, that's a lot of fun. And uh, so we cleared this land. And, and once we cleared the land, we discovered there were about almost literally 50 apple trees, and there's one peach tree. And so then, not only did we clear the land, we got it where we could mow it, but then we started to prune the apple trees. Well, well, two years ago was a drought year, and so we got this many apples. And last year was a really wet year, and we got four little boxes of apples out of 50 trees. Sounds like a lot of work for a little bit of apples, and you can go over to you know Aldi's or Tops and buy them for a little bit of nothing. But it, it gave us something that we do together, and we like that. My wife and I, in May, we will have been married 36 years. So yeah, she was like five years old when we met. I won't tell you how old she is, but I'm sticking with 39. <laughs> you learn something in 36 years. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, we've got this apple orchard over there. And uh, so uh, the, the message I'm going to share, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard the, the message from John chapter 15, that's where I'll be preaching from this morning, about abiding in the vine. But that is fresh to me in the scripture, and it's fresh to me literally because we have been out in the orchard. Last Saturday and Sunday, we were out there all day. Somebody asked me today if I went south, and I said, no, I was only out in the orchard just two days. Um, and so we were clearing again and pruning, and uh, I've talked, and I'm, I'm trying to learn how to take care of these apple trees. So uh, what I share with you a little bit, I'm learning. I'm no expert on apple trees. Like I said, i got four little boxes in the, but uh, that's where I want to preach from this morning, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there, or if you just want to listen along, you can do that. I didn't put the whole thing. Oh, man, you are good. That's why you pay you the big bucks. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. And I don't know if we got the same version, so follow along. I didn't even tell him what I'm reading because I didn't know what I was doing. So, like I said, Russ called me last night at 7.30, and I woke up at 5.30 this morning, and I finished piecing some stuff together, so here we go. And I'll try and keep track of the time. Message from my daughter, Jen. I can't see my time, Jen. She wants to know if we're coming to church. We're in church, Jen. All right. <laughs> 11.28. Okay. There we go. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit... He prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And that's going to be like the... the I call it the main verse. That's what I want you to get this morning. So I'll repeat it one more time. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I commanded you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another." Heavenly Father, I just pray for the rest of the time that uh, we have here this morning that you would simply use me as your vessel, as your, your, uh, your, as your tongue, as your spokesperson. Lord, I always want you to speak through me. I always want and desire your, the anointing of your spirit to rest upon me. Lord, your word brings life. And I would pray this morning for life abundantly upon each person here in this service this morning. And so let your word and your Holy Spirit have your way in our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Uh, one time we were having a baptismal service and uh, we were in a river. We were baptizing people and there happened to be a drunk that came along. Remember the drunk that came along, Becky? <clears throat> and uh, so we asked the drunk if he wanted to find Jesus. And uh, he kind of mumbled a little bit, and he said, yeah, he, he wanted to find Jesus. And so we got the drunk, and we took him, and we, we dunked him in the river, and we brought him up. We said, did you find Jesus? And he, he kind of shook himself off a little bit, and he said, no, no, he didn't find Jesus. And so you know, we took him, and I dunked him again, and we held him under a little bit longer this time. Brought him up, and, and he was spitting and sputtering just a little bit, and said, did you find Jesus? And he says, no, no, I didn't, didn't find Jesus. And uh, so third time, third time's got to be the charms. Number three is always lucky, right? So we figured we held him down there and uh, he, we held him until he started to bubble. That's when you, they really repent when they start to bubble. <laughs> and so we pulled him back up out of the, the water and, and he's staggering around now and spitting and sputtering and getting water. And he says, did you find Jesus? And he says, no. Are you sure this is where he went in? <laughs> But it's all about finding Jesus. 36 years ago, as I said, we were married. And God took two broken people and put them together. Why in the world he would ever do that? He should have never done. People told us from before we were married, he said, you'll never make it. Some of you had the same, same blessings over your marriages. They said you wouldn't make it. But here we are 36 years later. And I wish I could tell you that it was all a rose garden. That's not reality. 
You know, when I first got saved, that was the impression I had of Christianity. I thought everything was going to be fine and wonderful. But that's not the way that it is. There's, the Bible says there'll be troubles, there'll be tribulations in life and, and through, through the years. And sometimes that comes even in the midst of a marriage because in a marriage is really where somebody gets to know you. It's where you're opening up your heart to one another. And it's where you're the most vulnerable. And it's where you could be hurt the most. And so we've experienced that in our lives. But God took two broken people and he sent us off to Bible college. And a number of years later, I became a youth pastor. First youth meeting I was ever in. I never attended youth group. I didn't grow up in church. But the, so the first youth meeting I was ever in, I was the youth pastor. I had a lot to learn. That was even before Lockport, Brother Clyde. So when I got to Lockport, I knew a little bit, a little bit more than I started. But again, that was part of a learning to be a youth pastor, but also there's a lot to learn about being a Christian. And so, but the message this morning talks about abiding. And this abiding thing is just so basic and so simple. If you've been to church, you've heard it before. So, but don't tune in, don't tune out on me yet. Yeah, we've heard this one before. But it's so simple and so basic that sometimes we've got to go back to the basics. Sometimes we need to be reminded from where we first came. When uh, John wrote the words in the book of Revelation, he, was, he wrote this about the uh, church in Ephesus. And he says, I know your works, I know your labor, I know your patience, I know that you cannot bear, bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and have not, and have found them liars, and you've persevered and have patience. Man, he's, he's speaking the good word over them. Um, and they have labored for my namesake, and they've not become weary. Boy, I wish that I could always have said that. Okay? Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. It all comes back to the basics, the simplicity of the gospel, that which maybe you first heard when you came to Christ. It all comes back to the, that simple gospel message that we need to turn to Jesus Christ. And so, the first, uh, go ahead to the next slide there for me, uh, Brother Bill. The, the cross is our dwelling place. It all goes back to the cross, and not that there's magic in a wooden cross, but the cross, of course, is where Jesus shed his blood. And so we've got to look back to the cross. That's our only hope. It's the cross. Um, there are some Old Testament scriptures. You know, this one you may not talk about the cross, but it talks about dwelling in God. It, and so it starts out this way. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, this is Psalm 91, shall abide under the shadow of the, of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. That's what we have to do. We have to dwell in God. We have to go back to Him. It all, it, it just, that, that needs to be our source of strength. See, folks, we can get to the place where we know the Bible. We can get to the place where we start to read and it just, it just seems dry to me. We can get in those days or times or periods or seasons in our life. Just like maybe in a human relationship. The relationships can go up and down. It's not always exciting or whatever. And that sometimes is what happens here. But we've got to get back to that place where we look back to the cross. Amen. 
Each morning I get up. I'm a morning person. I, I, I love getting up early. It's just me. I, I'm awake. Take me at night. <laughs> we'll sit down and watch TV. She's awake. And I'm passing out watching TV. But I'm a morning person. I get up in the morning. And then I've, you've got to find a spot where you can go and you can meet with God. And it might be different for every one of you. <laughs> I was listening to the radio the other day. And this lady, she had a bumper sticker. I don't know, you know, said I love Jesus or it was the, uh, the fish or whatever. But she said that the cop, she was worshiping the Lord. And she was praising the Lord and singing. And she had her hand going like this. And she was speeding. And so the state trooper, literally, it's a true story, pulled her over. And he, and he says, you know why I pulled you over? And she says, well, yeah, you know, she was, she was speeding, whatever. And he says, what song were you listening to? And she, she told him the song. It was a Christian trooper. And so she told him the song. He saw the bumper sticker. He saw her waving her hands. So he knew what she was doing. In her car, she was worshiping God. So you need to find the spot where you can go to worship God. In this house that we bought, it's a small house. We have a dining room. And the dining room has windows that face west, and then they also face north. And if you look out towards the north, you can see our apple orchard, and towards the back, to facing west, um, and we have some pine trees out there and uh, fields and stuff behind our house. And, and so that's the spot where I like to go. And I'll read my Bible, and I can sit in the quiet. And it, it, but if I would try to go in the living room to watch it, yeah, big no-no, I get distracted. I remember the time we went to Tennessee to see my daughter. We traveled down there, we're having lunch, and she's doing this on her phone. It's totally distracting. Wives, what if you went out with your husband and he's on the phone? Oh, bad example. <laughs> because what do you want? You want eye to eye. You want their relationship. You want the contact. And that's what we have to do. We have to find the place where we can meet with God. Some people it might be in the shower. I used to sing in the shower, but the water quit running. I don't know what happened with that. <clears throat> they tell me I can't carry a tune, so maybe it's something to do. I'm kidding. But anyway, find the place that you can go with God. The cross. The cross is our dwelling place. We've got to focus on the cross and go back to Him. Jesus is our uh, source of life. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse number 13. There we go. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. How many of you have a cistern in your house or lived in a place? Yeah, quite a few of you. All right. How many of you know what a cistern is? All right. I'm back with most of you. When we first moved to New York, I didn't know what a cistern was, but we moved in this old farmhouse over in uh, East Pembroke area there. And they had the, these walls built down in the basement, and the rain, they had rain gutters, and the rain water would come in and fill up the cistern so that they'd have water inside if they needed water. And so that's what the, the cistern does. It holds the water. Here in Jeremiah, Jeremiah is saying, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. They've hewn for themselves cisterns, but they're broken cisterns that hold no water. Folks, we are broken sometimes. We're broken cisterns. We hold no water. Where's the water coming from? We need living water in our lives. We need the presence of God in our lives. And so we must turn to the cross. Victory through 
abiding. Jesus is our source of life. John chapter 15, verse number 5. Shouldn't have pulled that paper out of there. I lost my spot. I had a... First church I pastored, I had a, a, a man that was older than me in the church. He's an old man now. Um, he says, the secret to having a close relationship with God, he said, is very simple. He says it comes through prayer and fasting. See, we always look oftentimes for the easy way, the quick way. But it comes from those dates with God. Just as you have a date night with a spouse, it comes from a date with God. It comes from abiding in Him. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is our vine. I like how that started out. In John 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, just like I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through him. Now he says he's the true vine. What happens with the vine? When, we, when I go out there and I look at my apple trees, we have, of course, the, the trunk, and then we have the branches that start to go out. And then off of the big branches, there's a bunch of the smaller branches. And then hanging off the smaller branches, hopefully in another few weeks, there's going to be some blossoms and eventually some apples on those, on those trees. Jesus is the trunk. He's the main vine. He's where the source of life comes from. The branch by itself, what happens to that? It withers up and it dies. Time for another bonfire. Okay? That's what happens to those that are by themselves. And on our own, we try to do stuff. We try to do things on our own. But there's no life in what we do. The life always comes through the vine. The, the, you know, a few... Well, not too long ago, you couldn't see any life. Now, last week, I could see just the tips of the trees were starting to, you could see where the buds were going to come. So underground and in the trunk was sap that you can't see. The life is still there in those trees. And that's what it is with Jesus. When we get into Jesus, that's where the life comes from. Over the course of the last year, uh, year or so, I've been reading a number of books, uh, and some of these books are self-help books. How to conquer things in our lives. How to conquer addictions. How to become better. And it teaches you things like recognizing triggers. Staying away from things that you shouldn't get into. Identifying sources. Identifying bad influences. Identifying places that we shouldn't go to. Things that will trigger behavior. There's, and they'll have steps. Steps to do. Or, you know, staying away from stuff. A lot of the books have been really good and really helpful. But you know what it comes down to, guys? What? It comes down to Jesus. <laughs> if you go to a secular counselor, they are successful about 2% of the time. 2%! And the government pays millions and billions of dollars for that stuff. I understand it wasn't too long ago you guys had Teen Challenge here. I don't know if you know the success rate of a place like Teen Challenge, but it's around 85%. Amen. Two, 85. What's the difference? Jesus. And it comes from abiding in Him. It comes from trusting in Him, resting in Him, seeking after Him. It comes from the prayer. It comes from the fasting. 
I was never big on fasting. My metabolism, I was always a skinny kid, so I would eat and it would do, it would do nothing to me. So, so to fast was like really difficult for me. But over the course of the last... Guys, I'm not here to pat myself on the back, so don't... I'm not into that. I want you to, I want you to grab something to take with you today. But over the course of the last number of months, while before I had people praying for me, now I'm praying for other people. And it's been prayer, and it's been fasting. That's right. And we're starting to see some things happening and shaking in the spiritual realm. I truly believe that. And that's what it takes, pressing in. I'm all about instantaneous healings. I'm all about the touch of the Holy Ghost on our lives. I believe in all that stuff. I've seen it. I've experienced it. But it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes we've got to continue to press in. Sometimes we've got to continue to meet with Him on a daily basis. And sometimes we've just got to simply stand upon His Word and claim the promises. Because on our own, guys, it's not about us. It's still all about Him. We're still broken vessels. We're still broken cisterns. And on our own, we don't hold the water. But God wants to do something in our lives. Not yours, not mine, ours, all of us. He wants to minister in your lives, and it comes as we meet with him. And so we've got to be connected to the vine. Malachi chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. It says, But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire, and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. Jesus is a refining fire. He wants to to get rid of the rough edges in our lives. He wants to prune the dead limbs that are on the apple trees. He wants to get rid of those things. There's no life in them. You know the other thing that we really learned this year, we're learning anyway, about those apple trees? You've got to thin those things because while they, you, when they're thick, they look nice and the blossoms might come out, but when the apples come on, they stay little. There's not much, as much good fruit. And so you've got to thin those things out because what happens is when you thin the tree, the sun shines through. The sun shines through. And so he prunes the things in our lives that he doesn't need anymore so that we can bear more fruit. We can bear bigger fruit, better fruit. And it's when the sun shines through. And I just thought that was really cool. And we, we, we started uh, thinning our trees and learning about that. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, it says, uh, Who gave himself for us, of course this is talking about Jesus, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Do you know this morning that you're a special person? Somebody said it this way, and I I guess I like it pretty well. They said, if you were the only person alive, Jesus would have died for you. Jesus loves you. In spite of our brokenness, in spite of our past, in spite of even our present, Jesus still loves you. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
for all of us. On my own, I'm not, I'm nobody great. I'm nobody big. But God decided he still loved me and he can even use a broken vessel like me. And he wants to do that for each and every one of you as well. God loves you. And so we need to remain in Jesus' love, verses 9 and 10. We need to remain in Jesus' love. You got that one back there? You beat me to it probably. Here we go. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. It comes from remaining, sticking with him, sticking with Jesus through thick and thin, but it's more than that. It's a lot more than that because the relationship still needs to be one of, of I want to say mutual love. Je Jesus loves us, but folks, we need to be in love with him. Amen. Sometimes we need to fall in love with him all over again. Have you ever fallen in love all over again with your spouse? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And just like with Jesus, we can grow stale on our own. But we need to continue to fall in love. I keep falling in love with him over and over. There used to be an old song. First John 3.16 says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. When we get a hold of his love, we'll be willing to lay our lives aside. We'll be willing to die to self. See, it's not all about me. It's not all about me. It's about living for him. In Galatians, we're told this about fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Isn't it interesting that that's the first one that he, he, he gives in this list? Because everything else stems from the love. Without the love, we, we can't do the others. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, patience or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's when the fruit starts to bear in our lives. As Jesus is pruning us and we're abiding in him, that's when the fruit starts to become evident in our lives. How do they know they're Christians? By their love. We look at the fruit. We inspect the fruit. Went out the, last week, one of the trees, things black. It looks terrible. It looked dead. I had to cut it off at the ground. Guys, the guy that's coaching me, mentoring me, he says, cut that one down. He says, it'll affect the rest. Get that one out of there. The rest of them will begin to bear fruit. And so we must remain Jesus' love. And here it says, we need to lay down our lives for our brothers. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. 
How do they know we were Christians? By our love. And the love comes from remaining and abiding in Jesus Christ. When we do that, we have the fruit talked about in Galatians, and that fruit will become evident in our lives and how we treat one another. It will become evident in our relationships with husbands, wives, and to others around us. But it comes from abiding, abiding in the vine. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning. Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us would just continue to fall in love with you all over again. Lord, remind us of our first love. Remind us of when we first came to Jesus, what it was like. Lord, there may be trials and tribulations and things that have happened in the meantime. Lord, there might be bitterness, there might be unforgiveness that would stop us, that would hinder our relationship with others and especially with you. And I pray this morning that you would root out those things that would, would stop the growth in our lives. Prune those things. Continue to work in my own life and work in those that are here this morning. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen.